everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in 5 podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. Today I have a special treat for you. You know, I call this a pop culture podcast, but let's be honest, it's kind of uh, based on whatever millennial lifestyle adjacent topics pop into my head on a given week that I try to umbrella under pop culture, but I don't always get to the celebrity and influencer news. Yet 2020 while so horrible in many senses, also brought about a whole host of celebrity and influencer controversies, brief news cycles, and, you know, exciting trends that were still worth going over and reliving. And many of these I didn't even get to cover. So I wanted to bring in the experts. I needed to call in some reinforcements, some people that I knew could rapid fire talk about celebrities and influencers better than anybody else. So I recruited Emma and Julie from Comments by Celebs today to kind of quickly go through different news stories that happened throughout 2020. We start out with some more recent events that have gone down from Kristen Cavallari and Austin Kroll's from Southern Charm Strange Instagram Live Friendship uh, all the way back to the very beginning of 2020. I feel like people are always saying, you know, remember Tiger King? And I'm like, and forget Tiger King. That was like, that was, that was bordering on Q2. Remember Love is Blind and Cheer? Those were the f- original Netflix eras of uh, 2020 that I feel like we forget even happened this year. I can't believe Kobe Bryant was January of 2020. Such an unthinkable tragedy that I still think of regularly and it shakes me to my core. It just feels like it got lost and, uh, you know, not lost, but I, I just, I worry he wasn't like honored or mourned in the way he needed to be just because 2020 was such a, a roller coaster, a ride we couldn't get off. Um, anyway. Not the point, uh, but this episode is, I think, really fun. Emma Diamond and Julie Kramer uh, in starting comments by celebs in, I think, 2017. Uh, I think they, it was a really innovative way to capitalize on the algorithm change and the verified comments floating to the top and beyond that to form a media company out of because in doing this, they kind of stay on the pulse of not just celebrity news, but the more fun part of celebrity news, which is we're always trying to peel back the layers and, and get the scoop behind somebody's media persona and be like, who are you really? What's your personality like? What do you do in your spare time? What other celebs are you friends with? What other celebs are you maybe dating? These interactions are so charming and fun to dissect. And this, you know, I just think it's a smart business model and it's really fun content to consume. And make sure you go check them out at Comments by Celebs. Anyway, if you're new here, uh, like I said, I'm Kate. I'm a Chicago-based uh, entrepreneur turned author turned pop culture commentator and podcast host and be there in fives, um, you know, for people on their way and really designed to get out all of the feelings I have about the rabbit holes and deep dives I do on the internet about various millennial adjacent influencer and celebrity topics. And I'm most well known probably for my Mormon Mommy Blogger series, episodes about bridesmaids, sororities, we talk a lot about. I mean, I did a, a free Britney deep dive, a Call Her Daddy podcast drama deep dive. Uh, I talk about serious stuff too, like purity culture and cults. I talk a lot about Hamilton, Gilmore Girls, Taylor Swift, you know, I, I believe that people people will call it academic. <laughs> but anyways, if you're into any of that stuff, please come back or go in my back catalog to listen to some former deep dives. I would love it. There's a new listener guide on my Instagram app, Be There in 5, if you want to check that out too. This is actually one of two episodes coming out this week, so check back for a second episode when you get a chance. And yeah, let's get into it. But first, I just want to quickly thank our sponsors. The first one having not only the title of my favorite Mariah Carey song, but also as an outstanding company I use regularly as an extension in my browser, and it is Honey. Imagine this. You make a list of the gifts you're going to buy for the holidays, and then somebody randomly gives you the money to help you buy one. That's like 
pretty exciting scenario. That's what Honey's doing. They're helping pay for $1 million worth of gifts. And you're probably wondering, is this the same Honey that automatically searches for promo codes online? And the answer is yes, yes, it is. With Honey, you can also make a list of all the holidays, holiday gifts you want from certain stores, and Honey will email you when the price drops on anything on your list. Just add Honey to your computer, create a free account, you can do this on a web browser, and throw some holiday gifts in your drop list for a chance to win. Honey will randomly select winners and give them money to help buy something on their list, which I think is really cool. I have a lot of things on my list, but I'm one of those super charming gals who buys myself things and then gives them to myself for the holidays, i.e. some king sheets I've been eyeing. Uh, I've also uh, used my air fryer twice a day for the past three years, and I'm, you know, it's it's, it's seen its, it's it's seen its course. So I'm looking for a new air fryer, among other things. But I don't hate that I'm entering this chance to win something for free all the while organizing my ideal gift list, all the while monitoring price changes. What a dream! No purchase is necessary. You do need a, pay a PayPal account to redeem the prize, just a heads up, and it's only valid in the U.S. And this giveaway ends 12-21-2020, so we only have a few days left, you guys. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash be there in five. That's joinhoney.com slash be there in five. Our next sponsor is a company called Orate that makes the most beautiful jewelry. I, I don't know about you, but I need the holidays to be especially comforting this year. And uh, for me, I'm trying to give more intentional gifts that the recipient can use every day. And while I've skewed practical for a lot of gifts given the time we're in, I still think there's something to be said about buying people something that will make them feel special, feel beautiful, that kind of honors something important to them through jewelry that can be worn all the time and that will never turn your skin green. And I'm obsessed with Aurate. It's spelled A-U-R-A-T-E, by the way, in case you weren't sure. And it's joy for life in every sense of the word. You can wear it anywhere from your fanciest events to the gym, to the shower, around the house. It's uh, made with real gold, and it makes gold more accessible by selling directly to you without the middleman markup, meaning you get quality metals and diamonds for a fraction of the price. Gold never goes out of style, and it comes with a lifetime warranty to reflect that it never goes out of style, a la Taylor Swift. Whether you're gifting jewelry this season or treating yourself, you can feel good about Orate being ethically made with sustainable practices. And if you need more convincing, just go on their website. I love delicate gold jewelry. They have the most incredible delicate bracelets, necklaces, earrings. They have these great stackable rings. They have this insane collab with Kerry Washington you have to go see for yourself. Anyway, like I said, I have this birthstone delicate gold necklace that I love that with a sapphire and I also have like a plain cigar band ring that's under $100. They have a variety of different price points. It's incredibly affordable for the high quality. It's a great value. And even better, I have a 15% off deal for you that I'm so excited about. Right now, you can get 15% off your first Orate purchase when you go to oratenewyork.com slash be there in five and use promo code be there in five at checkout. That's orate, A-U-R-A-T-E, newyork.com slash be there in five. Promo code be there in five for 15% off. Or eight rhymes with Kate. If that'll help you remember. It'll also be in the show notes as always. Thank you so much to Or8. And now on to the interview with comments by celebs. We'll get started. You guys, I'm so excited because this has been something that you have requested for forever. I know you guys are such big fans of their podcast, their media empire. I'm so excited to have on Emma Diamond and Julie Kramer from the infamous Comments by Celebs. They have so many different accounts and a podcast and have truly, I think, are innovators in the space of um, social media as a legitimate media outlet that kind of is 
outsmarted the traditional tabloid culture in a way that I want to talk through because I think it's a very brilliant uh, business model. I'm so happy to have the have them on. Welcome, comments by celebs. Hi. <laughs> oh, nice. Thank you so much. We're so excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Of course. So I know a lot of people are very aware of you guys, but do you guys mind giving the boilerplate of kind of how you got started with this? Yeah, of course. So we started Comments by Celebs, the Instagram account, in April 2017. And for anybody who doesn't follow, the name is pretty descriptive of what we do. We really just post celebrities' comments on each other's pictures, on meme accounts, any relevant celebrity commentary. Um, and we started it right after Instagram changed their algorithm because a couple years ago, you couldn't see verified comments. It was done by most recent. So we kind of saw that and we knew there was something there because we were... I actually think the first one we saw was a Scott Courtney interaction and we were, we felt like we were seeing something we shouldn't have been seeing, like it was forbidden. <laughs> um, and we just started the account and kind of kept it a secret. And then it took off. We started the podcast in 2018 and that's kind of the trajectory. <laughs> When it started to take off, I love reflecting on people's moment of like, oh, this is happening. Like, this is something. Like, did you have a first celebrity DM or interaction or something that like made you feel really on the map? Well, Julie, I was going to. So the first celebrity follower we ever had was Andy Cohen. And I'd say that's a pretty good one. <laughs> he followed us. It was so crazy. It was when we had literally 1,200 followers. And I, I saw it first and I texted Julie. I was like, Julie, I think we're onto something here. And like a year later was when Kelly Ripa talked about the account for the first time on live. And I will never forget, we were both, I was in the city, Julie was at school, and we were both in our towels watching live with Kelly and Ryan, watching her talk about it. And on the other, on the other hand, holding our phones, watching the followers roll in. And it was the most, I can't even explain to you, it was like an out of body experience. That's right. I forgot about the Kelly Ripa was a big, piece of this right her yeah, talking about it that's so and she's bffs with, with andy or was yeah. as far as i know um that is so so cool and then from there you guys kind of spun off into because it, it gets overwhelming and there's so many sectors of pop culture right, right. so what do, what do you have now what are all the accounts you have you want to listen joel <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's fantastic <laughs> It's um, comments by celebs, comments by athletes, comments by Bravo, comments by Bachelor, comments by influencer, comments by TikTok, and we just started Overheard Celebs with Overheard LA. Oh my gosh. Okay. I found comments by TikTok today and I was like, thank you for this because the TikTok comments to me, the, well, the Gen Z sense of humor period, I think is so strong in a comment yeah. sense. But um, in addition to that, getting to see when random people like you guys uh, pointed out how Dixie responded to like Alex Cooper saying that her and Noah Beck weren't real. And I was like, Oh, I never even saw this. And TikTok's kind of hard to dig through because it doesn't have that algorithmic favor that Instagram does. So you guys are doing good work there because that's hard to follow. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that commentary we find is a little bit less, um, it's more kind of like informational or something because people, I really feel like you just said, it's hard to sift through. So, so many of the times it's not that it's a great comment, but it's telling, or it tells you something. Maybe we wouldn't post it on the main feed for if it was the equivalent of, of a celebrity, but yeah, people are obsessed with the TikTok commentary. Yeah. It's giving me like the type of elementary gossip I need, like, because they're so, they're not mature enough to handle their shit. Well, no, it's so it's gets, messy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which is the best part. (laughs) It is exactly the best part. Um, So before we go back in 2020, I want to ask you guys what your thoughts on some like current things going on. Um, What, and I'm sure you've gone over, I actually know you've gone over this on recent episodes, but I haven't gone over it on my podcast. Um, So for example, like what, what did you think of Olivia Jade's Red Table Talk? Mm. Yeah, I I thought it was like very underwhelming, to be honest. Me too. Yeah, it was a whole lot of nothing. I mean, it was exactly kind of what I said on the podcast is like, if you didn't watch it, and you would have guessed what she would have said, it was what you know, she said that which I guess just goes to show that she had a lot of coaching, which is understandable and fine. Um, But on the other hand, I didn't really feel like Jada pressed her that hard. I definitely think that she could have been pressed harder. I, I think what we said was like, the most interesting part about it was before she even got there when Adrian and Jada were having the conversation and Adrian was basically saying like, Honestly, I didn't even want her here. And to me, that conversation was more interesting than what she had to say. I wanted that to be the entire conversation. (laughs) I agree. Olivia was, yeah, she was coached, acknowledging her privilege, all of that stuff. I understand it. And she did, she was pretty polished. But um, for me, it kind of felt like Jada was like, I'm a celebrity parent. And I would want my kids to be given the benefit of the doubt. So I'm going to give this girl the benefit of the doubt, even if she doesn't really deserve it. And then Adrian was just not here for it. And then Adrian gave a few tough love comments in the middle. And then it, but it just fell flat to me. I agree. We, we kind of said, like, I don't think anybody left watching that with a different view of Olivia J. Like if you were fine with the situation before, if you didn't like whatever feelings you had, I think that they pretty much stayed the same after that interview. I don't think anyone was like swayed one way or another. Yeah. And I know she couldn't talk because of the litigation, but not only am I so not interested in the story anymore, unless she was going to say something like juicy, irreverent, or like, like the enlightening about the case. Like I get that she's sorry. That's just not like news. Yeah. To be honest, I just think at first, when I first found out she was going on, I thought it was a really good move. I thought it made a lot of sense. But then after I was thinking, it's not really anyone's fault. I just think it shouldn't have happened because Jada didn't feel comfortable pressing her hard enough, which honestly, I guess it's fine. You know, I understand her role feeling like as a celebrity parent and Olivia couldn't say really anything. So it was a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I know. I agree. Okay. Because after I watched it, I didn't really say anything. So I was like, I don't want to seem... I don't know. It, this is why I'm jealous of people have co-hosts because sometimes I don't know if my takes are <laughs> like similar with other people's. And I was just ready to be like, that was the biggest waste of my time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I'm glad you felt the same. So, okay. Kristen Cavallari and Austin Kroll, the warrior king of Trap Hop and Madison fame. <laughs> what is going on with their friendship? No, I don't think you understand. The only thing I've been doing for the last 24 hours is rewatching Justin Anderson's live. I am literally, we had to move up. Isabel and I are doing our Bravo podcast on Wednesday of this week because we are salivating to talk about this. I feel so grateful you just asked that question. Oh my God. I, okay. I like can't get enough of this. First of all, okay. So now we know that Craig and Austin are starting a podcast together and that's why they were in Nashville, which I didn't Do know. Do we about. know that? Yes, I didn't know that, but now we know that. Between them and Megan and Harry, it's like heavy hitters this week. Certain pods. <laughs> I know we're gonna lose our job. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, no, but you know, I have to say, like, I know how Justin and Kristen are when they're together. They're very fun, and I get it. Like, I'm I'm a Kristen Cavallari fan. To be honest, I find her to be really fun. But I, 
I they they could have done the whole thing without ever saying Madison's name. You know what I mean? Like once they were saying Madison's name, I was just sitting there like, holy shit. <laughs> so so I actually don't really understand. Like I don't have much context for this. Like they are just somehow friends. Seemingly they are just friends. Yeah. Uh that's I mean, you know, everybody apparently Kristen is dating Jeff Dye, the comedian. And oh. did you see our comment? Did you see Madison's comment on our post on comments by Bravo last week about Kristen? No. Okay. Let me quickly. Do I have time to just Please. really quickly? Okay. So, by all means, <laughs> this is what I care about. <laughs> when I was too afraid to ask, so I'm pretty sure I'm pretty happy we're going over this now. <laughs> yeah. Let's recap. <laughs> oh yeah. We should tell everyone. Julie does, isn't into Bravo. That's why Isabel and I do a separate Bravo podcast. And Julie's a lot more knowledgeable on like regular television shows than I am. So that's how we balance each other out. So everybody knows that. Perfect. Um, okay. So basically last week, Kristen Cavallari posted a bikini photo and Austin commented on it and said, uh, looking forward to see you next week. Keep breaking the internet in the meantime. Right. Yes. Madison that we posted that and made our caption intrigued by this friendship. Madison then commented on our post and said something to the effect of, trust me, she's not with, he's not with her. If he was with her, he wouldn't be sending me song lyrics at midnight. Okay. Then we see that a week before that, she had commented on Jay Cutler's video with Kristen's ex-best friend, Shannon, saying, can't wait to see you guys soon at Shannon. So we're just like, what is going on? Austin is now friendly with Kristen and all of a sudden Madison's friendly with Jay. Like this feels very bizarre. She was then on Watch What Happens Live. And based on her comment, I thought she was saying, there's no way she's with Kristen. He's with Kristen. He's with me. She confirms on, or not on Watch What Happens, on Entertainment Tonight. She confirms on Entertainment Tonight, not only is she not with Austin, but also she's not even that close with Shannon or Jay. Basically, that whole thing was just to spark a reaction out of both of them. So it's like, it's crazy. Typical Madison. I'm just kidding. Typical. <laughs> That, okay, so that's frustrating. So she was basically just trying to do the same thing, except Austin's really friends with Kristen and the gang, and Madison does not know Jay or right. the other person. She, who, it was Jay and who? Shannon. Oh, Shannon Ford. Yeah. Um, I had to just get out a pen because I had questions during that. Okay, do we ever confirm that Jay Cutler did or at one point date Tommy Lauren? <laughs> Julie, did we ever confirm? I don't know if we ever confirmed, but based on the how do i put this based on their reputation as of late i wouldn't be surprised if that was like a couple of date thing but i don't believe they're currently dating they said they were just friends they said they weren't dating but um there was definitely something going on there i feel like the more notable thing jay cutler did this year than get divorced was that two day the time like he had his chicken missing <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um so Okay, and then also read that group. Something I forgot that happened this year is when Shannon Ford got sent a dead rat from Alibaba. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that. That kind of flew over, but that was really gross and weird. Yeah, that was really gross and weird. I lost. <laughs> and that concludes my comments on Shannon Ford's Alibaba shipment. Um, okay, so we just all that we know is that they're. Kristen and Austin have a weird friendship. I just feel like if I were Kristen, I would be operating in higher reality television echelons. I don't really, I mean, I'm sure Austin and Craig are fine. I just kind of see them as uh, petulant, like party boys from Southern Charm that like don't excite me as like a celeb friendship. 
Um, but I guess also the other, my other bone to pick with Kristen is I felt like her and Justin Anderson's live where she said Stephen Coletti was the good kisser and all that stuff. It was so exciting to watch go down over Thanksgiving. But then the next day I felt duped that it was an ad for how low hangover dry farm wines were. <laughs> okay. Here's how I felt about it. Yes. <laughs> but I was so grateful to get that little one second of, of information. I didn't really care. Like I, I'm obsessed with the Laguna Beach thing. It never left me. So I was just happy to get it. <laughs> you know what? I understand. And I respect that. I was, I based my entire personality and like look and side bang off of Kristen for probably a good three years in my youth. <laughs> um, okay. So how are you guys? Well, this is another Bravo question. Then we'll get to regular celebs. How do you feel about Salt Lake so far? I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. It. It's so good. You love it. I do. I think that um, it's got the right uh, it's got the right level of wealth paired with the level of delusion we need for reality television. I fear in markets like New York and L.A., people are too self-aware and socially conscious. And we need a market where people are dense and too rich. And I think Salt Lake is the right place. <laughs> First of all, that was beautifully said. And I completely agree. It's it's It seems... You almost can't believe some of the conversations and that's the best type of housewives. That is the type of escapism that I want in my housewives and they are giving it to me. They're giving me the fashion, the wealth, the fights, the bullshit, the some, some very deep stuff. I mean, I love it. I'm hooked. Yeah. And I think people want the like socially conscious queens on television. I agree in most cases, but I do think there's something important to highlighting microcosms where people are pretty self-unaware. People are pretty much in a bubble and not knowing what's going on because that's a very real thing that happens all over I mean, the world, but in the United States in certain markets, like people are, the world is not like how, you know, the media operates in New York and LA and Chicago and some of the bigger major areas. And I think having kind of an offshoot city is an important, I don't know, lens into how wealthy communities are very much still operating. And I think we'll get into more juice with like religion and how conservative and crazy it all is. But I, I just think in general, there's a lot of interesting subplots when you incorporate anything religion based that makes the judgment even worse than in like a normal circumstance. Yeah. I mean, something though that I, we have gotten a lot of feedback on from, from followers is just saying like, I live in Salt Lake city. I'm Mormon. And please don't think that this is the only representation of what it means to be Mormon. Like they've a lot. And I'm not saying this isn't, I'm just saying some of the feedback we've gotten. A lot of people feel like it isn't necessarily the best representation. Um, and a lot of things are dramatized for the show, which I think Heather and some of them have come out and kind of not backpedaled, but a little bit backpedaled on some of what they were saying. Um, so I always keep that in the back of my head, like I'm taking it all with a grain of salt, but I, yeah, I am addicted. I also Meredith Marks. I'm like a Meredith Marks fan. So. Oh my gosh. So such Juliet Lewis vibes. Such that's a guess. Yes. I, I think she, I love her too. And yeah, I've thought a lot about this because I've done a ton of podcasts about Mormon bloggers and stuff because this is just an, an interesting like subsection of um, the influencer realm that I find fascinating. And I think that just like uh, charity is to Dallas, etiquette is to Potomac, um, celebrity is to Beverly Hills. I think the Mormon church is like a, a character in the show, but it's not really meant to be the through line and not meant to be the star. Like it's present, but the storyline isn't that these women are active, devout Mormons. The storyline is that the church has affected these women's lives in very different ways. And I think where I get frustrated with people from the church speaking out is no one's saying that they're the best representation of your faith, but 
you can't gatekeep that the church impacts people, whether you're uh, active members or not. Mm -hmm. And one was kicked out for her choice to like, you know, for infidelity and for marrying her older husband. One left after she got divorced because she got married too young. One still actually in the church. And then Rachel Parcell and all these people come out and they're like, this isn't an adequate representation, blah, blah, blah. They need active members. And it's like, well, you can't say that they have no right to associate with the church if it's affected their life in some way, if they left or they're active, you know? Oh, I think that's a great point. I totally agree. Yeah. I, I, it's also like when you watch New York or LA, even though we're from New York, we're not from LA, a lot of these other you know, cities, you can kind of imagine what it would be like to live there or you have some sort of, and I really feel like a total fish out of water with that one. I really, really do. And so I, I also feel like I'm learning a lot. I, I can't get enough of it. Like really, truly, I think Bravo killed it with this one. I completely, completely agree. Um, okay. So have you guys listened to Evermore? Yes. Thoughts? Um, I love it. I, I like Marjorie. That's my, that's my, my number one personally. If I like you mean you like to sob for sport. <laughs> it's so sad. Yeah, I know. I know. I think it just, the way that she talked about like tributing her mother, I feel like I just miss mine so much. I could relate to that. I think she was just on Fallon or Kimmel. I, I forget which one it is, but she was talking about the theories about the third album coming out. And she was basically saying that everyone thinks the third album is Woodvale. And because it's like in little white writings in it. And what happened was it was the, like code name for folklore and they just forgot to take it. So they like used it for everything for sizing because it's the same number of letters. And mm. what happened to the album was she like, they forgot to take out it. So it was just left in, but it wasn't supposed to be a clue. <laughs> yes, that I, that's what I was just watching. And I kind of didn't believe her. I felt like she was backpedaling or something because she doesn't make mistakes. Right. <laughs> I, no so, idea. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I can't decide either. Um, okay, so the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about from this past week. Oh, I actually need you to update me. What happened with the Kardashians and Hulu? They have a Hulu deal. Is keeping up going to Hulu? So it's not entirely clear exactly what it's going to look like, whether you know they can't use the name keeping up because it's e-property. We don't really know that yet. But yes, they've signed a deal with Hulu and uh, Star for at least... You know, all their hashtags are hashtag Hulu 2021. So definitely there'll be some sort of a reality show. But also I really do think this potentially may be where like the Addison Ray connection comes in. And I could imagine the Kardashians taking on more of like, in addition to their own stuff, also producing roles. It's just my gut. I don't know. Oh, like Megan and Harry entertaining and uplifting content. They keep saying they're produced. I'm like, you think we're all trying to produce content that bums people out and doesn't entertain people? Like, they're it's not, it's not innovative. Um, it's so, okay, that's interesting. I didn't know if, I, if they were working on projects or if they were going to be the face of these projects. And I've been waiting for the Addison Ray of it all to come in this whole time. I personally think Addison Ray was professionally advised to post less about the Kardashians and more about Bryce and the TikTok people, because I think people became disengaged from Addison when she seemed too much like a celebrity and not like a regular girl who got famous dancing. It's just an unbounded theory. That That's a very interesting take. I Because she just stopped posting about being with Courtney every day, and then it was all Bryce. And yeah, they did get back together, but I also think there was something less palatable about Addison's like, uh, like almost Q, like the Q score of it all. Like 
her star power, her engagement, I think is a little bit contingent upon her being like a regular teen. And she was getting into territory that was always at Nobu Malibu that just like wasn't interesting anymore. That's really interesting. You want to know something? That's not a bad point, honestly, because especially with her demographic, they want to feel like that element of relatability, even though it's not in general. But I guess a Bryce Hall is more relatable than, you know, Kourtney Kardashian. Yeah. And I kind of thought her and Bryce were maybe together the whole time, but he was in so much trouble constantly with his partying and stuff that she was maybe disassociating. But according to that YouTube video, whatever date it was in October, I guess. But it's just kind of like the... Uh, the going from being like so coy and private to now being like, I don't know, just posting pics, making out in pools. It's like a total whiplash. <laughs> I, yeah. I have to say though, like I was very intrigued by the friendship with Courtney. I wasn't obsessed with it, but I did like follow it because I was intrigued by it. The way I feel about her and Bryce, like I would watch that a million times over. So like, it is a really excellent point in terms of just what people are looking for content wise. Yeah. Because don't you think Charlie has done a good job of like not really um, oversharing her new life? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we are we really like Charlie. I mean, I think she's just a random 15 year old girl now 16 that got thrown into it. And I think she's remained as normal as physically possible, considering the fact that she is the number one most followed person on TikTok, which is insane. Um, but yeah, I think she's done an excellent job at that. And you're right. You're right about the Addison comparison. That's a really, that's a great point. I, Addison lost me and Charlie kept me. And I, and I, and I loved, and then outside of the, um, the chef, it, you know, dino nuggets of it all. I think that I'm like deeply proud of Charlie. Like, I think she's in the most impossible situation with so much scrutiny and she could lose her mind if she wanted to. She could also party and go to town and just like live her best life and go nuts and all the things. And I like, just always hope she's okay. I do. I feel like there's a little bit of sadness. I don't know. Like there's something a little different about her content lately. That's a little bit obligatory maybe. Um, and I worry for her just because I think most people would crumble in that situation, but it seems like Heidi and Mark are on top of it. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that she got a taste of like for the first time, like the real negative side of fame. Like I think she had little things where she was like, okay, people aren't being so nice. People are, but like that dinner controversy, which admittedly was the dumbest controversy probably in like celebrity drama, like history ever. Um, I think she got a taste of how negative fame can be. And I think she's been laying a little low since then, not because she feels like she was canceled or she has to recover. I think it was like a mental health thing because that would be a lot for anybody to take on, let alone like a 16 year old girl who ended up in this position by accident. Absolutely. And that's true. I forgot they, they got like a, such a disproportionate amount of flack for the escargot of it all. When I think it was pretty clear that they Dixie was set up to be fed something she wouldn't eat and they're still kids. And like, I just, I don't think it was that deep. And I think it was more for content than a showcase of their character that we like secretly got an eye into. They wouldn't have put it out there if they thought that was going to be how right. it would be read. Yeah. Right. And and what's so frustrating about it is that once the chef comes out and literally says, guys, this entire thing was meant to make Dixie gag. We knew this was happening. People are still mad. It's like, if the chef isn't mad and you're defending the chef, why do you care? I, it, it, <laughs> I know. That really pissed me off. And like, we are not ones to bring up gender when it's not applicable. I, you know, I don't like to 
weaponize femininity if not necessary. But the entire idea, I mean, feminism, but the entire idea that Charlie making that kind of joking comment that it would have been cool to reach 100, I do completely agree that if it was a man who said that, it would not have gotten that same reaction. I think it's just by society a lot more acceptable for men to set goals that seem very, very ambitious. And when women do that, specifically young women, it's like poo-pooed. And I, I, it pissed me off. That whole thing pissed me off. I, I can like sense the way you're talking about it. You sense a, a bit of protection over her and we feel the same way. Yeah, it kind of, I agree with that. I, you don't always want to make it about like, if a man did this, would it be different? But like it a hundred percent would be so many of like the male YouTubers, vlog squatters, people like that. Like all they do is flaunt their wealth, buy people Teslas. Like nobody cares. David Dobrik is celebrated till the cows come home. And I actually like him and find him to be unproblematic, but you're just kind of saying like this number would be really cool with this particular milestone. And it just like, wasn't a big deal. And I think they've done such a good job navigating this year. People are grasping at straws to try to cancel them, which is just such a sad state of being in general that like we're reaching so hard in hope somebody messes up and to live under that pressure, I would crack as a 33 year old, much less a 16 year old. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Speaking of someone who will never get canceled. Um, what's uh, Ellen? <laughs> <laughs> like Trisha Paytas, honestly. <laughs> Trisha Paytas. I have no patience, no interest, no tolerance for Trisha Paytas. None. None. Um, I just think that, like, ever since I've been kind of in this job, there's been four to six attempts to have Ellen taken down, and it's just not going to happen. Do you feel like this year really moved the needle when all of that stuff came out? Um. I do think it moved the needle because I felt like it was the first time when it was, or, or the first time in a big way when it was really discussed publicly, because the type of thing with Ellen was, it's not like people didn't know. Anytime you went to a meeting in LA and her name was brought up, everybody at the table had the same look like, oh yeah, that's it. Because here she's an asshole. It's like, yeah, we right. all kind of know that. It was the biggest right. not secret in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> but it was never, it was for the main, you know, the, the general public that wasn't in the industry. I really do think people were shocked this time. And so I, I do think it moved the needle. I mean, they said that her viewership was down. I don't know if, you know, if we're going to, maybe that's our, our barometer. I don't know. Something yeah. does feel a little bit different, but I agree with you. She almost feels um, like immune in a way. I think the other thing with Ellen is that so much of her fan base, quote unquote, is like, a little bit older. Whereas I remember talking to my parents about it and I remember like saying all the things that people had said and their reaction was like, isn't everyone in Hollywood being like, they were kind of under the impression. I think a lot of older people are like, yeah, everyone in Hollywood is a diva. Who cares? We're watching them for the entertainment that they put out. And then whatever they do in their own time is their business, which I think being younger, you have such a different view on that because you have such a different view on what you want your celebrity to be. So I think for a lot of Ellen fans who grew up watching her and who really like her show, it's like, I like what she provides for me from, from three to four o'clock and anything she does, you know, besides that isn't really something that I'm going to pay attention to. So I think if you're mm -hmm. older, you're not as quick to cancel or, or tune her out. Whereas like younger people are like, no need for this, move on to somebody that I can appreciate and somebody who matches and aligns more with my values. That's an interesting point. And there's almost for younger people, there's there's so much um, clutter and oversaturation. It's like I almost welcome the churn of like one thing's out, the next thing's in because it's we hardly have enough time for everything and everyone. Right. Yeah. Uh, so you can kind of breeze past things. But, yeah, I think we're in a really interesting era period where, to your point, 
historically with celebrities, there's a disconnect between art and artist because they're a lot for actors, especially like their work is separate from their persona. Their persona feeds their, you know, their celebrity feeds their acting career or their music career, whatever. Um, but it's not the core product. Influencers, their currency is their life, their personality. They are their business. Their business is them. And cancellation, I think, with influencers is just not the same as celebrity on so many levels, even just on the basis of no insulation or buffer with publicists, with privacy, with money. Like influencers are navigating these major PR crises with none of the cushion that actual celebrities have, in addition to them having the separation of their work not actually being who they are. Right. That's a really good point. Oh, that's it. I'm- that's why I think the influencer fame is so scary. You can't hide behind the art. Not that people should, but there is that additional like safety net. And you Look really Alec Baldwin. That. I mean, like if cancellation was a thing, like he, he would have the second time he punched a paparazzo, like that would have happened. Like people just don't care the same way with actors. I don't think. No, they really don't. It's well, also because yeah, you don't have to love the actor to love their work. So true. Yeah, and I and I I think that. I'm, I don't know. I'm just obsessed with influencer crises because I don't personally, I would not be able to handle one. And it fascinates me to watch the Ariel Charnases of the world just like move forward like nothing happened when I would just, I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> huh. Yeah. It's, it's my biggest. Yeah. That's the, one of the main reasons that we are trying to be as behind the scenes as physically possible. Yeah. No, it, it's, <laughs> I the 24 seven feedback loop, I think is an interesting thing of anybody in the public space. And yeah, I could be having the best day ever. I'm at dinner. I read a DM, it derails my night. And I'm just like, I could not handle the level of scrutiny. A lot of these people endure. No, I could not. Um, Okay. So this, it's funny because I was, when I asked people like looking back on this year, it's like, God, (laughs) it doesn't even seem like this year because people brought up things like, okay, at the beginning of the year, we had, well, people call it Megxit, which makes me mad because it should be sus exit because they both left and not just Megan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then like we were, people were like, remember when we were obsessed with uh, Megxit, love is blind, um, Tati's bi sister video. I'm just like, God, this, I can't even talk about these things just don't even seem like a year ago. This seems like ancient history. Wow. You, you, you really just brought me back when you said the name Tati. Yeah, this does feel like a very long time ago. I mean, well, first off, let me just tell you something. Love is Blind was like my <laughs> my Super Bowl. I, Julie and I, we got into that studio right after watching that reunion. And we were, I don't even know. I remember we had, it was right after um, the quarantine hit. And we were talking to Nick and Vanessa Lachey. I was on the phone with them in my bedroom recording the conversation. Had never done a phone interview before. We'd only been in studio. And I was just like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> I know that was exciting. That was, um, I feel like Tiger King gets all the hype, but Love is Blind was the bigger moment in Netflix, uh, like random reality drops that people loved. I think so too. Tiger King really had a moment though. Both of them were just like, we are living in the weirdest time ever. And then these two shows could not be more representative of how chaotic this year is. The way the way in which we made it comedic fodder and celebrated Carol Baskin's potential murdering of her own husband is the most bizarre thing 
I like we wouldn't have never sung a song if it were a dude that killed his wife, killed her, killed his wife, whacked him and like done a TikTok dance to it. You're so right. We never would have. It's you just were- I'm like, if she if if she really murdered her husband, like this is a horrible, but we're just so unthreatened by the idea of a woman murderer or something like I don't know, because when I was watching Dancing with the Stars and her family or his the husband's family took out an ad. I really let that marinate. And I was like, this family lost their family member and it's just become a source of comedy. And she might've really killed him. You know, she's on Dancing with the Stars. Yeah. I have to tell you, and I'm a little bit embarrassed to admit this. I don't think I thought that critically about that until this current moment. (laughs) Because I think I, I think I, I chalked it up to just how bizarre in general, the entire situation was like, I mean, all of it. You know, there was so much going on that I don't think I actually analyzed that point. But you're act- you're so spot on. I mean, that's so fucking weird. Why did we do that? So I have no idea. Also, what's funny is I think I said it to you the other day because I was listening to like Megan The Stallion Body, where she like says Carol Baskin in it, yeah. and I think I you and Isabel M. And I was like, do you think you'll ever like have to explain to your kids who Carol Baskin was? Like, how do you even have that conversation? Yes. <laughs> explain to your kids. <laughs> That's hilarious. She is one of those great. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see Carol Baskin as a. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, um, this. OK, who is the guy at the 2016 Ken Bone? Yes. <laughs> Red sweater, of course. Yeah. Like I some somebody who was so household, but then is so forgotten, but when brought up, you know exactly who they are, but I don't really know if her brand will stand the test of time outside of like a potential Lisa Frank collab. Like, I don't know what she would do with like the, the tiger of it all and her like manic presence. Yeah. Um, okay. You guys have John Mayer on your podcast. Yes. I love him. Um, <laughs> I think he is an architect of the English language. Were you impressed by his presence? <laughs> um, well, you know, we've gotten to know him, so it was. Oh, you're like friends with him. Well, yeah, it was just like natural for for him to um, come on. I think, if anything, we were really flattered because he doesn't really do podcasts. Um, he doesn't, and I like to listen to him talk. You know, there's people you're fans of how they have conversations. I really yeah. like listening him to talk to listening to him talk to people. He he has one of the like the best vocabularies I've ever like come in contact with. I really feel that way. Like. We say the same thing about Katie Couric. <laughs> yes. Um, just vocabulary wise. But yeah, he's very smart and very um, like you could hear if you listen to the episode, there's not a lot of fluff, you know, it's, he has these very kind of complex thoughts. So yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. I really enjoyed the episode and I thought that was such a great acquisition because he does not do a lot of podcasts. And um, I do feel like he's one of the first celebrities that really embraced Instagram because to one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about is um, like, you know, yeah. in around 2017 and prior, I feel like the all celebrities had a very J like Jennifer Lawrence approach to social media, like a little too cool for it. Wanted to seem busier, like weren't, weren't really uh, engaging. And if you were, it was an influencer territory that people didn't want to be associated with. But I think comments by celeb was a huge catalyst in turning that tide and um, showcasing how celebrities the strength of showing your personality, your humor, and uh, how comments can really 
not that this is the goal, but improve your overall relevance if you are willing to engage on this platform that so many are so quick to dismiss. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thank you. That's like a very big compliment. I don't know if you meant it as one, but it really is. So no, I do. I think that this, I think you guys really changed the level of engagement and made it like cool to engage on social media. Thank you. I mean, that, that is, it wasn't an initial goal, but it definitely, I think was a really cool byproduct. Um, you know, when you say about the Jennifer Lawrence effect, we speak about that a lot now because it's, it's now gone to the point where you're right. For a long time, you had to be, it was, you know, you were too cool, most of them, whatever. And now it's like, you have to be so unbelievably famous and successful by yourself to not get on social media. I mean, we're talking, even Jennifer Anderson gets on around the morning show launch. Like we're talking big, big names that are on it now and are interacting like it's normal. So now I think it's much more uh, of an outlier when you're not. Like people know the Meryl Streep, the Jennifer Lawrence, Brad Pitt, uh, Steve Carell. You know what I mean? Like you can list off the top of your head people that aren't on it because it's such a norm to be. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because anymore, if you're a movie studio, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, I it, you'd almost assume you'd require it. Well, we had heard that, uh, I'm not talking like that level of fame, but we've been hearing a lot that a lot of actors like B-C-List are losing jobs because their Instagram presence isn't what it is. And the you know production company wants to guarantee X amount of promotion. So we've actually had, you know, we've been approached by people just saying like, is there any way to gain their relevancy because X is coming out and we need them to have this in order to get the job. It's like really a very interesting world that I don't think we've realized how much production companies take into account someone's social media presence before hiring them. Talk about Addison with uh, She's All That. That's what I was going to say, yeah. Right, and now it's like, he's all that starring Addison Ray and Courtney Kardashian and Courtney's the afterthought. <laughs> right. Which is crazy. Like, I don't know because of her friend. <laughs> well, right. Like her connections. Like, <laughs> I, there truly, I, I have, I, I could not have lower expectations for that film and I will run to see it with suffocating speed. <laughs> exactly same. Like I, I'm counting down the days weirdly enough. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so, okay. I was, oh yeah, I was on, uh, love is blind. We talked TikTok. We talked tiger King. Um, a lot of people brought up like early quarantine scandals, i.e. Kristen Cavallari's Bahamian, um, being stuck in the Bahamas. And I kind of, I, I don't even remember what happened with that. It wasn't, it wasn't that deep, right? She just like was stuck there and then magically left one day when like everything was shut down. Yeah, but the reason that it became such a thing was because the day she got back or right after she got back was when they announced their divorce, right, Julie? Oh. Yeah, there is no better way to recover from a scandal than to have a different, more distracting scandal or life event happen because no one remembered that she was like flaunting around the Bahamas in the middle of a pandemic. It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's the Kristen Cavallari divorce. And the other side of it was just forgotten about. It's it's like at that day was Erica Girardi being like, I will announce my divorce on election day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole other conversation, by the way. Did you see what just broke today? No. Okay. Yesterday. That's right. Well, yesterday it broke that he froze his assets, that the uh, courts froze his assets, Tom's. And then today it broke that he apparently was taken to the hospital with quote, serious illness. You know, guys, I don't really know what's going on with Tom Girardi, but you know what I do know? What goes in my multivitamin? You know, sugars, GMOs, synthetic fillers, and artificial colorants, not to mention animal byproducts like sheep's wool and gelatin from hooves and hides. 
on greens, you might find a multivitamin, but Ritual isn't your typical multivitamin. It was made by a skeptic for skeptics. It's a clean, vegan-friendly formula made with key nutrients and forms your body can actually use without shady extras. I take Ritual every single day. I use the women's multivitamin, but they also have uh, one for teens, for men. They have um, a best-selling prenatal vitamin. They're all scientifically developed to help support people in different life stages, and they're made traceable. And you'll always know where your nutrients come from thanks to Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain. And the actual bottle itself is see-through and visible, and the capsules themselves are um see-through so you can literally see inside your multivitamin in addition to being fully transparent about telling you what's in it they have a fresh tasting delayed release capsule that's designed to dissolve later in less sensitive areas of your stomach so you can take them with or without food your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always you can start snooze or cancel your subscription anytime and if you don't love ritual within your first month they'll refund your first order i've talked about before how the ceo pitched this company while she was pregnant after realizing that prenatal multivitamins were filled with synthetic nonsense she did not want to be consuming while you know growing a human and she presented to a group of men uh, you know about starting this company and they basically told her to choose one start a company or start a family and that fills me with rage that is not holly jelly that i'll you know overlook for now but i just say to remind you i will support this company for, <laughs> for eternity because i think it's insane we have to deal with stuff like that and uh, multivitamin only just helps make your healthy habits easier so we can uh, weather the per my last email of it all, uh, at least the healthiest we can. So you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin. That's why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash be there in five to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash be there in five to start your ritual today. Our last sponsor today is one of my favorite. Uh, two nights ago, I made something called firecracker meatballs. I'm not into pyrotechnics, but my God, fire they were. Not in heat, just in terms of deliciousness. I saved the residual sauce and poured it onto rice the next day for lunch. And I don't like anything I make. Um, You guys, I'm talking about HelloFresh. You can get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Let's you skip those uh, trips to the grocery store and makes cooking at home easy, fun, and affordable. You know... I am struggling with going to grocery stores and with dinner more than I ever was amidst the pandemic, especially the state Chicago's in right now. It's just not any better or more comfortable. And I just feel like HelloFresh is easy and and stress-free. I get no contact delivery to my doorstep. The recipes are super easy to follow. The ingredients are pre-portioned and minimize waste, which is huge. And you can save 40% when you use HelloFresh versus shopping at the grocery store. HelloFresh delivers an incredible variety of high-quality pre-portioned ingredients. Over 90% are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness. And it offers more than 20 chef-curated delicious delicious options every week to help you break out of your recipe rut. Much like my meatball discovery. Um, It's the first global carbon-neutral meal kit company, which I love. This is a sustainability factor. And by skipping the grocery store and using HelloFresh, you're reducing your food waste by at least 25%, which I love. Very flexible. And you can change your delivery days or meal plan preferences. You can skip a week whenever you want. Or you can keep your fridge stocked by adding extra meals or additional proteins uh, or quick meals like breakfast on the go or 10-minute lunches, desserts, all that stuff. Greg and I are currently stocking up to hibernate for winter now. And they're committed to giving back, which I love. They've donated 3.5 million meals to those in need in 2020. If you guys want to try HelloFresh for yourselves, which I highly recommend you do, go to HelloFresh.com slash BeThereIn580 and use code BeThereIn580 to get $80 off, including free shipping. That's awesome. Again, that's 
be there in five F-I-V-E, like the show is spelled, and then the number eight, zero. So go to HelloFresh.com slash be there in five, eight, zero, and use code be there in five, eight, zero to get $80 off, including free shipping. Does that make sense? Be there in five, F-I-V-E, how the show is spelled. Numbers eight, zero. Just want to make sure we're clear. Okay. Thank you, HelloFresh. Back to the episode. Hmm. Celebrities don't get treated for exhaustion anymore. That's an issue I have. So Lindsay Lohan, Aaron. Oh. I miss that. Yeah, yeah. Classic ER, like call an ambulance. I'm exhausted. Like, no, <laughs> never, never happened. Cocaine binge. Like, what? I honestly assumed that at one, it wasn't a question. Like, I just assumed that at one point in my life, I would be hospitalized and treated for exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good point. Another kind of sus- suspect celebrity exhaustion, vague mental health thing was Jesse leaving Little Mix. Oh, yeah. I saw that today, too. She yeah, was, I'm kind of bummed. She said that she was, or was yesterday, like she had originally said she was on leave, I think, and then she permanently left. But it's interesting because they are so much bigger overseas. And I feel like they had been the, on the cusp of like really being big in America for like the past eight years. Like I just felt like they, like every so often we're like, oh, they're really going to be as big in America as they are overseas. And, and I think maybe it just wasn't going to happen. And she kind of realized she had to really focus on herself. I cannot figure out the je ne sais quoi of like what makes somebody like Little Mix has it all and they have such good music and I, they're so much better to me than like a Fifth Harmony ever was, but they never quite broke. And then uh, like one of my favorite weird celebrity moments of all time is when Perry Edwards saying shout out to my ex about Zane on stage to Zane and the lyrics are like, like here's to my ex and she like waves at him and she's like look at me now which is in the lyrics and I was like that's the ultimate goal of a look at me now song is to sing it in front of your ex who left you for Gigi Hadid and it was just it's one of my favorite things to rewatch as like a small dose of empowerment that like nobody cares about (laughs) (laughs) do you think Gigi Hadid's kid's name is Dorothea like Pro- I don't know. Maybe, probably. I, I have no idea. I, I can't. I don't, I don't know either. And I can't, I'm not going to lie. I'm less interested in like the, I don't know, even like the first folklore album when it was named after like Lively's kids. I was like, I don't even know that this is news for me. Their news that I care about is like people's, her kid's name being Betty. Right. But how cool, I always think of it in terms of the child. Like that's a pretty fucking cool thing to tell as your fun fact that your name was announced in a Taylor Swift song. I guess it's already cool enough that you're Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds kid, but that's like a power move. A scenario I like to envision is that (laughs) Blake and Ryan kid is somehow like at the same like place as Gigi and Zane's and they both have to give a fun fact and the other announces it first and the other (laughs) scrambling to come up with a new fun fact because Blake (laughs) that's a great hypothetical because that was my only comment is corporate icebreakers will be a breeze if you have you're like i'm barbara ann as in the beach boys barbara ann but then i say that and i'm like well is an anecdote from 30 years ago that cool (laughs) (laughs) so i guess we'll see by the time they get there um so okay when i ask people what we should talk about a lot of people brought up like how they think comments by celebs puts people on the map who like we don't really know much about their like personality otherwise like a january jones interesting um because uh-huh. i don't nothing about her at all but i see her commenting on your feeds all the time yeah well oh, to be honest we kind of felt the same way with certain people like we had no idea that they were witty 
because we didn't know their personalities that much, honestly, because a lot of these people, like we were talking about earlier, are actors or actresses, and we don't know their personalities really that much. We more so know them for their roles. So I don't know if we, I don't know that we put people on the map in terms of like everybody knows who the people we post are, but I definitely think we highlight their humor in a way that if they're not on talk shows, they're not whatever, their humor isn't being discussed, right? Acknowledged. So, yeah. Her and Nick V is always going to be interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, Did they date? It's like never really been confirmed, right? It's kind of all like, I think something had to have gone on there. Yeah. Yeah. They're always interacting in comments. Um, do you guys have an opinion on who you think like the most prolific celeb commenters are? Or, like um, the most active? Well, it used to be Chrissy. Rachel Oh, yeah. yeah. She's definitely getting back into commenting also. We actually just got one from her that we were talking about before we started. Yeah. Uh, she was definitely, like, top of the top. Um, Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds' interactions perform really well. Zoe Kravitz, out of left field, will have these, like, really good responses to commenters. We love a Seth Rogen out of left field. I don't know. We, we like them all. What would Zoe, can you give think of a Zoe Kravitz example? I don't know if I've seen that. Oh yeah, Zoe Kravitz has a she has a lot of really good clapbacks. Like we, the way we judge how many like how active a celebrity is is that every time we post, I save them to a folder and categorize them by celebrity. So like if you're somebody who comments a lot, you get your own folder because there's like enough content to go in it. Like on the same mm. Instagram, and we have like a bunch for Zoe Kravitz. A lot of them are just like little clapbacks too. Um, but people really, really like her and she's very witty and funny. That's interesting. Yeah. I, that I kind of forgot about the Chrissy Teigen of it all. I feel like she is the perfect example of a person who you wouldn't have understood how funny and dynamic she is if not for Twitter. Yeah. Social media was that like huge, I think in terms of people really understanding her personality. Yeah. And I think like what used to be the paparazzi shot of like the couple in the cafe window is now like a cute interaction over comments. Like it's almost, I, I'm so charmed by celebrity friendships and BFF ships. And I like live for those. It's not just like the comments themselves, but like the back and forth. that's so exciting. Yeah. We live for it. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah. Live for it. Um, okay. Really fast because I forgot to um, keep going on this because this is a current topic. Do we think? I don't know what the pulse is on the Erica Girardi divorce. Like, are people thinking it's something to do with like covering up for Tom and some part of his like litigation because he has like a broader suit going on, or do people think they're legitimately separating or both? So there's a lot of different theories. There's definitely, before even more information came out, when the divorce initially broke, a huge theory that was circulating was that this was 100% a way to conceal his assets, mm -hmm. uh, which, by the way, the firm that is suing him for saying that his firm uh, misappropriated the funds from the families of the victims of that plane crash, they said also that, you know, it's the divorce is a sham and it's just an attempt to conceal a lot, some people think it's real. Some people think that they've been living separately. We know that she's been renting a house. Again, that could just be a way to make the courts look like they're actually separated. I really don't know. Um, but what I will say is that I was, Isabel and I were saying this last week. Normally when something in the celebrity news world happens, we at least have some sort of a gut feeling, some sort of an instinct. We feel like we have our finger on the pulse. This is one of those. I genuinely have no fucking idea and I hate it. 
Like I, I really <laughs> don't know what I think. And it's very frustrating. I don't know if you feel the same way. I think I became disenchanted by Erica Jane before the general public did. And I kind of always thought her general, like two personas and fabulous nature made her get away with what, what is kind of a crappy Bravo liberty and that she's does, didn't come to everything on the show. Her husband was never involved. She really wasn't get like revealing enough personal information about herself and kind of selling herself out the way the other women were. And I just felt like, I don't know, I was kind of over her a little while ago, just as not being like a high performing housewife. I need people to open up more. Um, but then with the Tom thing, I just feel like they have an arrangement and it, they haven't really had like an active, passionate marriage where they were together all the time for a long time. And I think she would just write it out. I don't think that she would randomly decide to get forced, divorced now unless something really went down. But I assume there's been like on and off and infidelity and whatever the hell else has gone on over the years. And they just kind of have like an understanding. That was kind of my impression of their marriage is like, we don't know everything that goes on in each other's lives, but we're in like a partnership. Right. And like, we're fine with that. It was kind of like mutually accepted. Also, by the way, I like Erica, but I agree with you about the vulnerability thing. That would never have flown with a lot of other people. And honestly, no. when you watch Real Housewives of the Potomac, it's almost like you, you feel like embarrassed for Erica Jane because that is vulnerability. That is vulnerability in Housewives. And even honestly, in Salt Lake City, it's some of what we're seeing. And she's gotten away with it. I don't dislike her, but I do find it a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I just, it well, it, it kind of is how I felt about, I don't know why I'm talking about Chris and Cavallari so much. Um, <laughs> on Very Cavallari, it's like, I liked the show and I understand the human decision to not show your kids on television. But it's kind of like when Kim hid North for two years. It just is like, are you in or are you out? You kind of need to show your life or not, or else I just think this whole thing is a ruse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But some people don't want to on reality TV. Um, do people get, I was, when you said, uh, when we were talking about who people get excited about, my guess would have been Mindy and BJ. Oh, yeah. People love them. Love. Are people thinking they're like, I kind of gave up on them a while ago, but they feed into it. They feed into it. And also, obviously, there's the whole mystery behind the paternity of the child. Oh, both. Right. right. So I think that had there not been any children involved people would like i think they would like it but i think they maybe would have moved on from like the what are they um but now that there's a question about paternity they're like everyone's looking for a clue to try and like figure out that mystery on top of the mystery of what really are they right right i know i think um the uh i it's it's one of those mysteries that i'm like Am I more charmed by the idea than I want it confirmed? Right. There are certain things where you want to keep the guessing game alive. Uh, Yeah. That's how I feel. It's like the fantasy of it is very enticing. I don't know if I, I actually am happy with not having an answer. I like just not knowing. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I actually think a lot of the joy of pop culture speculation is in the inherently inconclusive nature because people are private. Well, it's kind of like when you have a TV show and the entire point of the show is that like, are the two main characters going to or aren't they? And then when yes. they're like, what am I watching this for anymore? I was only watching to see if this was going to happen, not watch it actually happen. That's how it feels with a lot of things in Hollywood. 
That's such a good point. I was trying to think of an example of something we speculated on for forever than it actually happened. But now I can't really think of anything because but when that does happen, it just passes and becomes part of a news cycle. And there's a certain um, evergreen nature of speculation that I think is, yeah, more fun. Right. Um, do you think we forgot about Vanessa Hudgens Instagram live too soon? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, no, I mean, I think she definitely got it. I don't think it, but I, we didn't forget. That was just, I actually was watching that today because somebody did a TikTok of it. I was like, that's not the kind of, here's the thing. Here's the thing. A lot of times you watch, you watch something and you're like, you know what? Like that, that really uh, looks bad now, but at the time she didn't know any better. No, that was the kind of thing. The second it came out of her mouth, everybody was like, what the actual fuck is going on and why is this on live that's the thing that is why instagram live is a blessing and a curse for celebrities because unless you are so filtered and self-aware it can really be your detriment that would, that's why my immediate reaction was did we move on too quickly yes because you said that today and i watched it and i was like i actually can't believe this was ever a topic of conversation that we've like we've moved on from I know. And it's like, the, yeah, the Princess Switch 2 came out and we just welcomed her with open arms. But you rewatch that and it's it's tough. I mean, I think she just like smoked a bowl and was like, people are going to die. And just like, I, I I just think she was trying to take a more I don't I, I, I think she thought she was being like, and so it is like, you know, yeah. kind of ran and peaceful about it. But it came across so incredibly harsh and insensitive she was basically having like a very laissez-faire attitude for a global pandemic and <laughs> yeah it, it didn't really apply i mean listen i'm not a fan like i'm not the we talk about this a lot. we're not fans of like cancel culture like let's let her let her live her life but there's a difference between uh completely forgetting and then moving past it i think we've mo moved past it but i have definitely not forgotten <laughs> yeah, huge. Vanessa Hudgens really wanted to go to Coachella, which is what that all came down to. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you are so, so unequivocally correct about that. Like, without, yeah, without a fringe bodysuit and a uh, picture in front of the Ferris wheel, this year's Instagram feed was going to be dull. <laughs> um, people ask me about cancel culture all the time, and I always wish I had something profound to say, and I don't because. I, I, I struggle between um, the, the crude nature of, of hyper, how people treat people so hyperbolically and like, you know, telling, saying horrible things to them that would hurt a human independent of the thing they did. Like, I don't like how people respond, but I believe in consequences and accountability. And I just never really know how to feel. What do you guys, you, you said that you aren't huge fans. Do you talk about this a lot? Yeah, we do. You want to go on? <laughs> I don't know. You can go. I was going to say like, that's exactly what we always say is like, there's a difference between holding somebody accountable and canceling them. And like, there's the issue with cancel culture is that everything gets the same punishment. Like whether you've done something and said something by accident or said something that like you can learn from and we can make it a learning opportunity versus doing something genuinely like terrible and bad, all of that gets the same punishment under cancel culture. We're like, People say things all the time and there are so many opportunities where you can take that and make it a real learning experience rather than just canceling them. Like I saw, I think it was a tweet yesterday where it was like lazy activists cancel, good activists inform and teach. And I think that's just something that we've spoken about a lot where it's like, if you have an opportunity for somebody to learn from something they've done, why would we rather cancel them, keep them with that mindset and never let them change versus 
allowing them to grow, informing them where they did wrong and seeing where they go with that on their own. Yes. And also, I don't understand why cancel culture has to be such a group like cult activity. If you genuinely feel like what this person did, you no longer can support and you want nothing to do with them. There's no more powerful way than to stop supporting them individually. I don't understand why it has to be this like giant world undertaking. It's very, there are some situations where of course that platform should be taken away. Absolutely. But there's no middle ground. And that's what I find very alarming. You guys are so right. And I never really thought about what a garbage justice system social media has designed with like everyone gets maximum sentence. Right. Um, but it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's like in an, in the world, their consequences are a function of the crime. Right. And something that's really interesting about cancel culture is that like, if we're, let's say quote unquote, canceling somebody for something they've said or something that we didn't agree with, the only people that get canceled are like really the people who care enough to be upset about the decision they've made and the backlash that they've gotten, like quote unquote canceled. There are so many people that we watch, mainly Trisha Paytas, where it's like you say the same thing over and over and over again. Everyone has backlash. And if you don't acknowledge it, you just keep living your life, which is by no means a punishment. Trisha Paytas has gone on like the same offensive rants about every group of people you can imagine. And it's just like classic Trisha Paytas at it again where it's like the levels of accountability vary based on how much you're willing to accept what the public response is. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think there's an element too of, of controversy feeding people's fame and relevance all the more and the hypocrisy of people like trying to cancel people, but they don't unfollow them. They don't disengage. They actually like who you follow. If you want to consider it, you're casting a vote for the world you want to live in. Sure. Like there's a currency to follow account that people can monetize and I did a poll amidst COVID when there was so much influencer controversy because people had so much to say about like uh, people flaunting their wealth amidst a pandemic or people saying they feel cooped up. They have an in-home basketball court. And I kind of wanted to take a step back and collect some data and be like, OK, do you want people to be authentic or not true or false? And then as a subset of that, if somebody else's truth is aspirational and not relatable, do you still want their truth? Because there's something too about like there's cancel culture, but then there's like people go after people for being like tone deaf, but they similarly go after people for being inauthentic. But people that have lifestyles that are a bit tone deaf, lying about it is technically inauthentic. <laughs> and I think there's a weird hypocrisy there to what people want from people. They want controversy and drama, but if it's too much, you're canceled. They want authenticity, but if your authenticity isn't relatable, don't talk to me. And I think there's so much hypocrisy in how we treat uh, internet figures. A hundred percent. That was a excellent point. Really I, excellent, yeah. It's an excellent point. The hypocrisy is so real. Also because on that same token, people do want aspiration and escapism, quote. But then when the escapism, when there's, when honestly, when jealousy becomes, comes into play, then the escapism can turn into a negative. So it, I don't really know. I, I really don't know how to navigate it as a celebrity. I was asked, I was on a podcast earlier today and they asked me that question. And I don't know. I really don't know the right answer because it depends your audience. It depends on the day of the week. It depends on what's going on in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really know how to navigate it. I actually think it's probably very scary. Mm -hmm. It's too subjective there, to, to have strategy. Like it's, especially when it's not a business or a brand and it's a person and a persona. And I, I always say like, I honestly think people were over the era of the personal brand. And I think 
we're in the era of people. And to your point earlier, Julie, like the, uh, like Hannah Brown is a great example of somebody who could have done this and chose not to. She met, she like mouthed the N word in a song, the former bachelorette and like rightfully so people were furious. She went completely silent and she could have leveraged the opportunity to explain to her followers in great detail why she was wrong and what she learned from it, but instead just kind of went the old media route of say nothing till it passes over. And I think things like that could be used as learning opportunities. And it's a shame when they're not. Well, I always think about, I think a really good example of it is Nick Cannon, because obviously earlier in the year, he had went on this rant, which was incredibly anti-Semitic and people called him out on it. And he got obviously like one of the Viacom partnerships taken away. And there was a lot of conversation around it. And if you looked at his Instagram following, like he turned it into a real learning opportunity. And he was posting the guests that he had on his podcast, the books he was reading, the conversations he was having. And it was like, that's how you show your learning when you have all of these sources and all of these knowledgeable voices informing you on what to do. And then you're growing from that. And I think that it was honestly a real blueprint for doing something really wrong and really shitty and really growing from it. That's a, that's a really good example. Um, yeah, that's another, was that early 2020? No, that was, I think it was over the summer. It was just a few months ago. Cause remember we did it. It was in, yeah. definitely in quarantine. Yeah. Interesting. I have absolutely no frame of reference for time. Even yeah. like recently somebody brought up like what a bummer it was, how 2020 started and ended with like cheer. Cause we were on a huge cheer kick in January, but then obviously the Jerry of it all is, is horrendous. And um, I was like, there's no way a cheer was 20, but it was, I yeah, mean, Monica Obama was just on dancing. I know it really is. And the Jerry thing, it's the whole, yeah, that's talk about the difference in the way that we approach that now. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so disappointing. So, so awful. Um, Wait, I, before, I have to just make one more point that I forgot to make that, that I yeah. remembered from what you were saying before. Like when we were talking about the escapism, the hypocrisy of what we want, I, Julie and I were saying a couple of weeks ago, I forget what episode, but how we're guilty of it too. How like on one hand, when we watch Kylie post these ridiculous TikToks or vlogs of her getting on her private jet, she first gets in her Rolls Royce, gets to the private jet, gets in the jet, whatever the whole thing. And how we're like, one, it's so easy to not post that. But then on the same token, we're like, oh my God, we love watching this content. It's so much fun because we treat it like a reality show. So I think we're all guilty of that hypocrisy of like, really enjoying it, but also really feeling like this is so off. It's, I don't really know where to, where to lie, but I just want to make we're it. All it. <laughs> yeah. We're all a hundred percent. And I think that's where my interest in the subject lies is because I have no conclusions. I have no serious point of view. I could, I, I very wishy-washy about how I feel about people on a given day. And I think that's the subjectivity of like, it's like part of the human experience. It's, it's easy to, brand and strategize something to be a certain way. But when it comes to people, it's just inherently complicated. And I think you're better off being authentic and approaching things as a human being. But in that, there's just going to be a lot of people that don't like you and don't get it. And um, I think like the Kylie thing is a great example because she's somebody who I get frustrated with because I'm like, Kylie, we don't need this. Like, you know, to my biggest barometer is are we sharing or are we showing off? And there's a line. And Kylie just shows off, but she doesn't, there's no ounce of her lifestyle that's relatable. So it, it would almost be more off-putting for her to be like, LOL, OMG, look at Stormy and I in this Volvo. Right. <laughs> exactly. Because it's not real. 
Right. Like if you want right. a picture of the kid, the kid is going to be on a private jet. So either accept the private jet or not. It's like, I, I don't know. I don't know where I lie because I often find myself feeling like Kylie is so painfully toned up. It's like, couldn't you wait a day? Like just one day and she just can't. And I often feel like, I, I don't know. I, I can't. It frustrates me. You're right. I don't have an answer. I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> How do you guys feel watching like reality shows and TV shows right now where we're living through the lockdown with people? <laughs> um, I have very mixed feelings on it because, for example, like my like frame of reference right now is Grey's Anatomy because I think that's probably the show that's doing it the most because that's the whole premise of the show. Yeah. They do it in such a way that's so accurate, but so dark where you're like, I just wanted to watch my favorite show and not like relive the worst time of this entire pandemic. But on the flip right. side, if they did it any other way. It would have been just a flat out lie. Like you would have been watching something and been like, I can't even watch this because this isn't what happened. So I think it's hard. I think it goes into that whole idea of escapism where you're like, on one hand, I want to forget about this. I want to have one moment of my life where like, I'm not so all consumed by it. But then at the same time, you're like, it, this isn't my reality. Like I can't watch something. That's not my reality. Cause I can't relate to this on any level. So it's hard. Yeah, I know. I, I think uh, like the Kardashian episodes, I didn't, I don't know. It wasn't my favorite watching like Chloe suffer and like I don't, MJ be alone. I, I just, those are the things I just don't really want to relive. And then Southern charm, watching them talk through windows. I'm just like, we're still like, we're not out of it. It's not nostalgic. It's not, it's right. almost like I, I'm like haunted by this still going on. Oh, I feel yeah. the same way. I, I really do. It's, it's, Cause yeah, it's at a certain point, it's like not even fascinating to see how these other people quarantine because at the basic core of it, like we're all, you know what I mean? There's a certain level of relatability, even for the very rich. Um, but the funny thing is that the flip side is like when I watch Potomac, for example, you know, pre reunion and there was no pandemic going on, I get a visceral reaction to like <laughs> watching people hug and stuff. I, I know. I don't know which one is worse. <laughs> at Salt Lake, like at the um, speakeasy, I was horrified. They were like sitting so closely, closely in a booth. Um, and it is weird how like our it's it's not even like it's a natural reaction now to groups to crowds. I was watching The Crown, and I could I was like, "What are they doing touching <laughs> each other?" And I was like, "Oh wait, this was seventy years ago, nineteen <laughs> <1980s>. eighty. <laughs> That's so true. Um, I think I listened to an episode, maybe it was ooh, last month or something. Um, I was really fascinated by this, but I feel like it kind of tapered off. Was the Carl Lentz drama? As far as we know, he was fired from Hillsong for cheating on his wife. Yeah. Well, is that well, grounds to fire somebody? I think there was other uh, like money stuff involved too. I think it's definitely grounds to fire in terms of the church based on like the, the stance of the church on like adultery and whatever. Like I, I think it, but my, um, my impression of the church is that had that been the one standalone issue, it would have been swept under the rug versus other things where that then came out alongside it. Agree. Yeah. There was, a, there was a financial situation going on there, which we don't know now, but we may. I don't think it's necessarily one of those things that we'll never find out. I could see it really coming out. I'm not saying we definitely will, but I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I heard, it's funny. I'm sure you guys experience this a lot too. People who were like insiders will DM me, but they all say different things. And I yeah. and so many people DM me that they're like vaguely are adjacent to the Carl situation. And 
One person was like, it has nothing to do with money, blah, 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 blah. And one person was like, oh, it's totally financial. The, the shockingly, the infidelity is the more inconsequential thing to release to the press, which is pretty consequential given his role. So it's like much worse than that. And I think I'm just fascinated by wrongdoings of uh, religious leaders because like Justin Bieber getting baptized by Carl Lentz in an NBA player's bathtub is one of my favorite pop culture intersections of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this guy was, was, you know, so glorified by all these different celebrities. So it's, it's a rude awakening for a lot of them also. It really is. And he's a big reason why the purpose world tour was canceled. Right. That I don't forgive and forget easily. (laughs) Um, a lot of people had asked me over the past month or so to talk about Demi Lovato and her ex Max, but I never really knew what happened. You guys talked about this a decent amount. Can somebody give my listeners like a boilerplate of what went down? Um, yes. So Demi Lovato got engaged to this guy, Max Eric. He bought her this ridiculous ring. I'm sure you saw it. It was the proposal on the beach. Yes. And I honestly, we've talked about so many things and I'm forgetting exactly what transpired next, but basically he, his, after the engagement, well, let me first say the first thing that really broke was that all of these tweets from years ago resurfaced of him talking about how he wanted to marry Selena Gomez and really like hardcore fangirl star fucker type things. Demi came out in defense of him saying these were all photoshopped. You know, I can't believe you would believe this. Of course, they weren't photoshopped. She didn't know that at the time. Um, <laughs> and then it come out came out that the engagement was was broken off. And he basically, and Julie, fill in any cracks after I'm done because I'm definitely missing things. But he basically went fully off his rocker, was going on Instagram Live constantly, doing these very dramatic um, videos of him crying at the kitchen sink, like very prepared uh, rants about how she only wanted him for the fame course she she then goes on the uh on pcas and in her in her monologue says something like 2020 was a lot i got gay engaged i got unengaged he then comments on her photo and says please stop using our engagement for clout i mean this guy yeah i like truly in all of celebrity we really don't talk bad about people this is hands down the my least favorite person i think we've spoken about this year i think so too you you got it. You nailed the basic. There are obviously like some tiny little details that are important, but you nailed the whole premise of it. If I had to guess what happened was that she got genuinely duped by him. Like, I think that he was this extreme star fucker, extreme, like, especially with like the Demi, Selena, that crowd. Um, I just think she really put a lot of her trust in somebody that was 100% using her. And once those tweets came out, it like became very obvious. Oh, wait, wait, wait. And then I forgot. (laughs) No, we both forgot at the very end. After all this stuff comes out, he goes to the same beach that that he proposed her on calls TMZ and has an entire photo shoot of him fake crying on the beach. It was this guy is thirsty, thirsty motherfucker I have ever witnessed. And also, especially given all the Demi's gone through, it was so hard to watch. Yeah, it really was. It's like that it, it, now that you say all this, I, I was like reading bits and pieces and it's that sort of um, type of thirstiness that I find so off-putting similar to that of like a Courtney Stodden. It's like people that the Daily Mail talk about endlessly that I'm like, the only reason you're being talked about is because 
you're feeding stories to them. Like these people want to be spoken about so badly. And it's like their news becomes less interesting because they're planting it so hard. Oh, dare I bring up Larsa Pippen? (laughs) Okay. When did we turn on her? Uh, We the people. I feel like all of a sudden. (laughs) Well, in order to turn on her, you had to be under her. her. That is a great point. I I guess I've been Larsa neutral for most of my life. And then this year we, and like when she was on the Real Houses of Miami, like whatever, on Kardashians, whatever. Um, But now I feel like the sentiment is, is so largely negative and she's fallen out with the Ks as far as we know, right? I'll say when I think the narrative really turned on her was around the time of Jordan, I think was when we realized that the Kardashians were like not as into her as we thought they were because she was really using that situation to her advantage and trying to make herself seem like the number one friend, which we both thought at the time was like a little weird to do. Um, And then Jordan was episode. Yeah. And then they had spoken about on the episode where they were like, Kim says something about like telling Larsa to stop speaking to TMZ or to Hollywood Unlocked or whatever it was. And then a couple of episodes later was uh, Courtney's 40th birthday birthday trip. And there was a situation there where they like were in Mexico and Courtney's friend, Sarah Howard was in the bathroom. And this girl that they didn't know who was there was like hysterically crying in the bathroom. And Sarah like felt really responsible. I wanted to make sure she was okay. Like normal girl in the bathroom stuff. And Larsa was like, so mean to her about it. Like, was like, I don't know why this is our responsibility. And everyone was like, okay, this is, this is weird. And I think that's was kind of the last we saw of Larsa and like, uh, in that setting. Yeah. So Jordan Woods was what, like October, 2019? Um, February, 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 2019. Wow. What is Jordan Woods up to? She's doing great. Jordan. I hope so. She really, she really turned it around. I mean, she's very serious with Carl Anthony Towns, um, and I, she's she's doing great. I think she actually came out of this the best that one physically could. I actually think when she looked back, this may have been a blessing in disguise because I really do think it, that the closeness with Kylie was inhibiting her from having from like giving off that individuality that she's so deserving mm-hmm. of. I think I'm obsessed with the celebrity best friend whose like livelihood is contingent upon their loyalty to this celebrity. And how small things can break up these alliances because your entire life is enveloped in the other person. And I'm just waiting for Stasi baby to mess up. Let me tell you, I don't think she's messing up. I think <laughs> she's not losing this one. No. One makes that mistake one time. <laughs> I think she, I really think that Stas will not even be in a room alone with any one of their boyfriends or husbands. Cause she's like, I don't even want to have a chance of being accused. Like, I think that that's what it's going to be. A lot of people were talking about Miley's comments on TikTok lately. And I saw one TikTok that made me laugh. It was like Miley's intern deploying her social media strategy to promote her album. Hey, uh, if you comment on this, I'll get like get a tattoo of my face or whatever. And how like what if it wasn't even her and this guy was just like planting jokes. But I think Miley's very much active on her own social media. No, that was her. <laughs> we can She's confirm. just quirky. Yeah, we it is her. Yeah, we yeah, can confirm. <laughs> I mean, why not have fun with it while she? I mean, it's kind of hilarious. Big, very famous people are asking her to comment. Genius marketing, by the way, for the song. You know, it's genius. It's absolutely genius. Um, how Christy Carlson Romano came back out of nowhere, hot and heavy, and is that true? <laughs> it's like Ren Stevens came hot, hot and heavy in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, 
same thing happened with like it was like her and Allie and AJ. <laughs> Allie and AJ. Justice for Allie and AJ. I love that. Okay. Well, you guys go soon. But uh there's a lot of questions actually, just like about like your business and like what like do you have a tip? I kind of hate when people ask me my typical day to day because I don't have one, but do you guys have like a process and like typical day to day? There's definitely no typical day to day. Um, you know, obviously on podcast days, it's like the entire day. I don't know if you how your podcast process is. I don't know if you do. Do you do your own editing? Yep. Yeah. See, that's like wow. I that's amazing. <laughs> um, do you guys not? No, we our producer and our editor is the same person, but we just like I don't something really shifted for us in quarantine where we used to just go into the studio and we'd have a producer in the room. We'd write down things we wanted to edit. You know, he'd make the edits and that be that be it. And we've now gotten really because we're doing our own like editing within. We don't do our own edits, but Julie kind of acts as the producer and writes down any times. We've become neurotic. Like we listen to the episode three to five times before it goes out. So it's just taken up a lot of time. So like Mondays, for example, the entire day is devoted to just um, podcasting, listening, going back, et cetera. But no, I mean, every day, you know, there's the content that comes first, always obviously monitoring the comments, but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's now happening that we're trying to really make happen for next year. So it's a lot of phone calls. I don't know. I, I don't, I couldn't really explain to you what it is because it's so, it's so different every single day. Some days it's like making a, I, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you, honestly. <laughs> I always try to explain to people that with creative careers or freelancy type careers or what, whatever it may be, so much of the work is working on stuff that will probably never happen. Yeah. And yeah. I work on so much stuff that probably will never happen or hasn't happened. And podcasting seems like a job too, where you go in the studio, you say, you talk for however long the podcast is and leave, but it takes me literally the entire week to produce one like two and a half hour episode. And I know it sounds so crazy, but to your point, 2020 has changed the fiber of my being where I have to listen to every single thing I say and then think about every single way it, it could, could be, be taken. Mm -hmm. And it's not in an effort to be inauthentic, rather to make sure the thing I'm conveying is the thing that I meant. 100%. It's, it's all, I mean, I can't believe that we did, we ever did it another way. That's exactly what it is. It's like, we literally, from like every possibility, like, is there any way, because obviously we're not trying to say something that is wrong or is offensive, or we always have a good intention, but intentions like doesn't really matter anymore. So we're kind mm -hmm. of just like, okay, well, do you think it could come across as this way? Even with such minor stuff, I'm not even talking like big issues. I'm talking like really minor things that we'll go in and we'll reinsert like a one thing just to really clarify our point. It's, it's necessary. You know, it, it can be a little bit exhausting, but it's necessary. It's not something we complain about. I'd rather, I'd always rather that be the case. You know, you have yeah. a responsibility. Like when you have a lot of people listening, that's, this is like the least we can do is kind of the way we feel. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that's something I really like and respect about you guys uh, because I, I've always felt like I, I've always wanted to operate in like the pop culture influencer you know, conversation, but I think that there's a way to draw a line between snark and mean spirited. And I think we can laugh and snark about things, but not be examples of people like ripping into people and being as hyperbolic as possible for, you know, the comedy of it, for the clickbait of it. Like 
I kind of, I, I appreciate mediums where people go a little bit neutral and are a little bit like the operating in the gray, because I think that's just how the world works. And I think a lot of times people that are like zero fucks, no filter, tell it like it is. I'm like, that's awesome. But also I don't think it hurts to be an example of somebody who's like willing to see the gray and to weigh both sides of an issue and let people decide for themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You also have to have, be very self-aware in terms of knowing if you're going to speak like that, you have to be understanding of like what's going to come back at you. And honestly, you have to just be able to say whether you can or you can't tolerate that. I don't personally think I could handle saying like really harsh, terrible, unpopular opinions in a very unfiltered, mean way. And then knowing what would come back at us. I, I don't think I could handle it. I'm just honest about that. You know what I mean? Yep. Either. I yeah. care. I don't like as a person making people feel bad or upset or it, I don't, I, I feel like most people are like that. And I think sometimes it's over celebrated when you kind of are like, kind of like Kim going after Taylor or, you know, it was like the more extreme and heartless something is, the more you're getting praised at the, at first. And like, I, I kind of hope we're past that era because I don't know. I just don't see how people are able to do that hot of takes and go to sleep at night. I would feel horrible if I started a public, I, I don't know, crusade towards somebody. I would never live with myself. Yeah. Same. <laughs> like, <laughs> like so same. Yeah. <laughs> no, you guys are awesome. It was so fun to chat with you. I feel like uh, you, I'm excited to see what you do next. I love following all your stuff. It's such a great like consolidator of not only the comments, but the comments emulating life and pop culture news. And it's kind of cool what a time capsule it is. Cause when I was going back through today, I like relived all of the highlights of 2020 and it was all like uplifting and fun and conversational and none of the parts I wanted to forget. And I just, I'm a huge fan of what you do. I think you're both so talented and brilliant to do it. And uh, thank you for giving me your time. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for having us. This was really fun. I think you some, your insight is, is, really excellent and that i feel like i learned a lot just from this last yeah. <laughs> oh you guys are so nice well where can people uh find you yeah so our instagram main one is at comments by celebs the other accounts like julie said comments by bravo bachelor uh overheard celebs and then our podcast is three times a week just comments by celebs monday general pop culture breakdown wednesday kardashian old episode recaps or new episodes in season and then fridays isabel and i do a full bravo breakdown anything you may have missed, any little detail we cover. Damn, I didn't realize you were doing three episodes a week. Yeah, we just added Bravo. And honestly, the response to the Bravo one has been like amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing. Like I, We're so grateful. Anyway, guys, you're the best. Thank you so, so much. Come yeah. back anytime. And uh, everybody go follow all of the comments accounts. Thank you for having us. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Right, guys. I hope you liked this episode. I feel like we covered a lot of ground, even though we spent a little bit of time on a lot of topics. It was still so much fun to just go back and forth with them. They're awesome. Be sure to follow them. Follow me at Be There in Five. Come back this week because I have a second episode coming out that's uh, actually going to be a snippet from a Patreon I've posted that's a little bit more personal. And um, anyway, I'm looking forward to chatting again later this week. If you liked this, share it on your Instagram story, on Facebook, wherever you want to. I would love it so, so much. If you want to know my thoughts about the Evermore album, I did a full like two-hour reaction video series, uh, just like I did for Folklore on my Patreon, patreon.com slash be there in five. I weep, I laugh, I drink a lot of wine. It's it's a good time, I guess. Uh, if by a good time, you mean watching me uh, 
have be on the verge of a mental breakdown because Evermore was a little bit more sad than I was ready for. But that's okay. That's okay. It gave us some, um, what's it called? Champagne problems and long story short, which, and Gold Rush, which are the three I've been spinning because I, I need something a little bit more upbeat and hopeful as if champagne problems is hopeful, but you guys know what I mean. Anyway, I love you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Come back later this week. Um, I'm actually going to skip the week of Christmas, hence why I'm doing two episodes this week because last year I was like scrambling and then I like demanded my sister do an episode about Bumble with me. So I'm hoping I'll get to record some with my family. I just didn't want the pressure of having to have a deadline over Christmas. So I'm making my family like work with me. <laughs> but anyway, share if you can rate and review five stars, patreon.com slash be there in five for bonus content. And beyond all of that, I'm just so happy you're here. And if you're new here, I hope you come back and I'm so grateful for the privilege of your time. As always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.